Life is like a hurricane here in One More Turnberg. Race cars, lasers, aeroplanes. It's a podcast blur. You might solve a mystery or rewrite history. Welcome to One More Turn, a podcast where we travel back in time to play old video games and try not to mess up the timeline that badly. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. This week, we took One More Turn with DuckTales, and that got, I think that got us both thinking about licensed games. What makes a good licensed game? How much, how much licensed games play off your nostalgia or actually interest in the show? I'm curious, Jim, what what do you what would you call a good licensed game? What is what con- what constitutes quality for a license? <laughs> is the bar set lower now with licensed well, games? Well, I mean, let's be honest here. I think it was set pretty low when a lot of this stuff was coming out initially. I mean, ET, right? So when, when, well, <laughs> when we're talking about I mean, DuckTales was, you know, DuckTales was late late 80s, early 90s and there was like a there was a ton of platformers. I may even go so far as to say that the majority of platformers out on like the NES and Super NES were licensed material from either from television shows, in some cases movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that yeah, if you were to just like to scroll through a list of like here are the platform like here just by genre here are platformers from this, and you're running down the list and you're seeing stuff like okay, you know here's your Super Star Wars, here's your Aladdin, here's your Animaniacs, like here's the ones that are that are kind of commonly known. You're like oh yeah, I kind of remember there being things like that. It very quickly goes to your cool spots and your yo noid, uh, Mighty Max, you know, Mighty Max, MC Kids, yeah, like everything, almost like. Literally, like any property that seemed to make money uh, during that time period seemed to get its own got its own platformer. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's true today. I would I would argue, although today maybe the games kind of are their own, you know, uh, have their own kind of value or their own notoriety now. But they still do that today. I mean, hell, I I played Barbie on the DS, Barbie's Horse Time Fun, or whatever it's called. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, uh, but the, it's it's an easy way to sell. You know, you put something, you package something that people are familiar with, especially kids, and right. You know, they they they're gonna sell a, at least a certain amount just based on familiarity, right? Based on the names, based on the brand on it. So when you're seeing something like, oh, here is just some PlayStation Party game that has Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen on the front of it, celebrating their sweet sixteen with getting their driver's license, and that's it's going to be taking what is decidedly a what's going to be a, a very a very horrid game that takes almost no that took almost no effort in programming at least presumably I'm sorry if if any if there are any <laughs> listeners that worked on that game that ended up losing I, tons of sleep over it I, I think they know it was a cash grab I don't think they I don't think it's something they put on their resumes Jeff. sure or it's like something like, in a lot of these cases I kind of wonder I, I apologize that this is going to be going a bit away from your initial question but I even wonder um, how many of these instances are the game was made first before, like, the art was finished on it, where the game was made, and they're like, okay, let's go find a license that we can that we can give this to, or that we, that, that will buy this. I've read, I've read that it happens that way, that they come up with the core gameplay ideas, and then they just mm-hmm. start pitching it around various TV, uh, uh, TV execs who probably don't know anything about video games, and then they're like, this yeah. is perfect, let's, you know? Uh, right, uh, right. Uh, We're sitting on this intellectual property, why not? Why yeah, not? yeah, exactly. Kids are into Animaniacs right now, yeah, let's, let's just 
do it. Yeah, kids like Shira and He Man. Let's put uh, let's let's have them collect apples or something while fighting. You know, while sc- scrolling to the right. I will play that right now. <laughs> it's a, it's a co op. It's a co op. I'm He Man on this situation, Jim. Sorry. Oh, rock, rock. I wanted Shira anyway. So, okay. but ultimately, so your question was like, what what makes a what makes a good licensed game? And ultimately, I think what you're aiming for is at least a consistency with the television show or again, whatever the initial property is, whether it was a movie or, or what have you. Cause I specifically, I mentioned it before, like Animaniacs comes to mind as being like kind of a goofy off the wall show and which may not really, it may not necessarily allow itself. Um, actually I feel like that title specifically actually does allow itself more to a platformer because they're being chased all the time by this, mm-hmm. by uh, Ralph, the security guard and Dr. Scratch and stuff. So at least there's like some, there's at least some precedent set there where right. this, where you could, this it's, you can understand that within this world of within this setting, within the, the Animaniacs averse that you can understand, okay, well, this is what I need to do. This kind of makes sense. The themes involved, the humor involved is consistent with the show. Yeah. Like I, I, I was almost tempted to say, well, what makes a good license game is just what makes a good game in general, but that's, that's not always the case. It's got to fit into the mold of that show. Like you could have the greatest cart racer, of all time, but if all the licensed characters are Batman and DC, it's gonna not make any sense to right. anybody. <laughs> They're uh, all chib- it's Chibi Batman, right? Like, chibi Batman racing, right? But whereas you know, if you put him in Arkham Asylum or Arkham City, where the setting is dark and grittier, it it just comes together better thematically and and gameplay wise, and, and it just makes more sense for the player. Uh, so yeah, there is sort of need to sort of right into or build into a into the world you're developing for you know uh for like ducktales for example it has to be kind of light and fun but there has to be adventure and peril in there as well because that was kind of the basis of the show is there's a lot of and money and money yeah. lots of money <laughs> right and jewels so uh, th- yeah there is a kind of a challenge you know to it from a development standpoint there you can't just create something very good and just hope that people get it you have to actually you know although i still say that apples don't make any sense in aladdin but because he only stole one in the movie he stole one apple it's a thematically appropriate thing it was a yeah this was it was like a checkoff's apple that like you saw it you saw it early you knew like okay when you think of aladdin okay there's like the scarab there's the apple there's Gilbert Godfrey. There's like there's the common things that you just immediately associate with that. That like okay, we're just going to use this symbol that everyone's familiar with. Right. There's Robin Williams. You know. There's, there's, en- there's endless tangents that go into nowhere and evaporate, <laughs> but somehow remain funny. It's interesting though because you know, as you're mentioning Aladdin, is that I I felt at least during the, like, the Super Nintendo or during or the Super Nintendo slash Sega Genesis uh, days that like generally the licensed Disney games were generally pretty good. I mean, granted, they had, I think, you know, they, they had some very, they, at least they had the money in order to uh, to financially back something that turned that would turn into a pretty decent game, whereas I'm not sure that many other licenses would. Where, I, I, I'm now just trying to, to think about, like, well, are there kind of pockets, are there specific, like, groups of licenses that lent themselves to better games versus ones that not? Like, I was like, I felt like pretty good about Disney Disney games in general and granted like kind of the the, the major titles I mean like Aladdin on Super Nintendo like that's kind of considered to be pretty classic at this point we may uh, have an episode later about it I don't know yeah, yeah. um I kind of remember the Lion King was also kind of decent although my my memory's a little fuzz, like a little fuzzy there fuzzy like a lion 
And uh, meanwhile, you could have, like, uh, kind of mentioned briefly before, if you have a video game that's based on a, uh, off of a mascot of a, bra- of a product, of like, here, okay, here's a, a food mascot who's getting a product here. Odds are pretty good. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna sell well. It's not gonna be a very good game. Uh, you really don't like the noise, do you, Jim? When the guy's motto, or at least, or at least the, the promotional material says, avoid the noid, that's not, a, first of all, that's not a great line, especially no. when it's, you're trying to put the noid on products. Mm-hmm. You're like, great, great, you're just telling me to avoid this game. It's great. I, mean, I just read reviews on it and that was enough, but hey. Yeah, I, 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 I'm with you on this. It's, 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 going back to some of the Disney stuff, I believe, and I, I might talk about it later, but Capcom made most of the Disney games, I think, uh, at least of the, what you would consider like, uh, the core Disney characters. All the movies were made by different outfits, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so like Donald and Mickey and Chippendale, what you would kind of consider the, the Disney characters from, you know, 60, 70 years ago. Capcom had kind of had reign over those. Right, but, right. But the individual movie licenses, I think, went out to other studios. I'm not sure who made the Aladdin one. And it, it's it's almost one of these like serendipitous things. Like all these up and coming developers were wanting to make good games, and they just happened to catch these licenses, and it just happened to you know these two parties just happened to catch at the right time together and, and make actual decent decent products. You know, unlike today where you know, the new Mickey one, Epic Mickey, was kind of really bad. It was not that good. You know, that's the, that's, that Mickey is Disney. But if I remember, like, that one wasn't, it wasn't terrible because, like, the concept, because of the concept. Concept was great. Oh, yeah, I mean, certainly. It was just that, you know, it was just that, that, like, you know, due to the mechanics, due to, like, kind of a disaster of a camera. Mm-hmm. You know, that mechanically the game wasn't great, but yet at the same time, like, the it, it felt true to the, like, the Fantasia license, right? Yeah, it felt true to what it was going for, which is kind of this forgotten, kind of Isle of Misfit Disney toys. Uh, basically all the licenses and stuff Disney forgot or, or never fully developed. That That's what you were playing in this in those games, but mm-hmm. it got spoiled by its a little bit of poor execution, which, is, which was kind of weird because Junction Point makes good stuff. That's one of those things where I feel like when people review these games or look at them, there's almost this weird tightwire act. There's there's two things. There's like this weird, you know, the people will slam the mechanics. So the mechanics has to be perfect or, or near good or very good. But at the same time, there's the story part of it or the, the world part of it that sometimes maybe gets a pass because of how the game players understand that a video game is not going to be the same world as a show or, or whatever. Well, sure, sure. Although... I, I, again, is that I, I feel like there is at least there is a backstory, there's or there is um, there's a precedent set in terms of like what what someone is going to go into like when you've gotten you know for example like, let's, again we'll bring up Aladdin like as some if you like really enjoyed the movie Aladdin again like you have you're, you're going to go in with certain biases ultimately like even if the game's not great like if it sort of if it meets your uh, your you know your your preconceived biases with whatever the license is. It could still wind up pretty okay. Now, if you if you were a, a big fan of Home Improvement and you wanted to go out and get the Home Improvement Super Nintendo game, uh, and again, uh? it's a complete disaster. But it's just like, boy, this really—I can't believe it. I'm actually in Tim Allen's shoes right now. This is wild. Wilson's giving me all kind of great advice. Yeah, it's like finally I get to see Jonathan Taylor Thomas pixelated. We'll be right back on one more time.
Welcome back to One More Turn, a podcast which is always free to play. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. This week, we're taking one more turn with DuckTales, the beloved 1989 video game published by Capcom and Disney Interactive. Basically, it was kind of the the, the top guys at Capcom that are kind of known today. Tukuhura Fujiwara. Fujiwara? God, I'm terrible at pronouncing names. <laughs> who, We're going to have to get you classes. We're going to have to get you classes in common Japanese name pronunciation. Uh, I know. Uh, but he, we'll he, put it on the one more turn budget. He, uh, he led Capcom from 88 to 96, basically the prime Mega Man years of Capcom and some of some of his prime platforming years that they're developed when they were developing platforming games. He oversaw most, if not all, of the Disney licensed games, which Capcom, as I said before, they kinda had a carte blanche to publish any of the core Disney characters from from late eighties, early nineties, uh, including Mickey and, and Donald and all that stuff. Uh, but the big name Oh did they of- do the did they do the Goof Troop game? They did, yes. Oh my goodness, that game is so wonderful. With DuckTales, there's the music that everyone loves. It's from Hiroshiga Tunamura. He kind of, this was kind of his only game. Uh, the Like, it's kind of the only music he's known for. At least in a scan of his, at least in America, I'm sure. He went on to be in a band and do his own musical stuff later on. But it's really... <laughs> he was later in Larkin Seal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, Keith... <laughs> you you can pronounce this. KJ Inafune. KJ Inafune. KJ Inafune was the main art 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 designer on this game, and you know he's known from everything from Mega Man, Dead Rising, Anamusha, but now he's doing you know Mighty Number no. Nine is his new project, which is oh, basically... so he's he's a Capcom veteran. Yeah, so he's like the cap. He was like the Capcom designer for decades, uh, specifically to Ducktales. Uh, there was uh, there's, this one came out in '89. There was a less, I would say, less played, less known sequel in '93, and then also they just remastered it in August 2013, which you know we'll get into a little later. You know, like I said before, Capcom basically published all the Disney licenses uh, in the late '80s, early '90s, and that was mainly Disney Afternoon kind of stuff. If you had that in your neighborhood growing up, so like Chippendales. Rescue Rangers, not the private club. Right, right. Duck, no, it's, <laughs> Darkwing yeah. Duck, Goof Troop, as Jim mentioned. And I gotta say, they're really there's not a bad game out of that lot. They're all they're all pretty solid. They're they're pretty know? good. Yeah, like, they're, they're pretty decent pretty for the time. Now, so this was I, I feel like this has been the running theme over the last several episodes. But this was my first time uh, playing this game, and I wanted to ask you my uh, the very first thing that I noticed was. It's the commonalities between this and Mega Man. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you you have like kind of a time. You have you have a better timeline of this than I do. Like when when was this um, in comparison? When did this come out? Like in comparison to the early Mega Man games? This was the same year as Mega Man Two. So one was already out. Two, I think, came out if not the same time, then a couple months later, more like holiday season. I think this game came out in like September. August of 89 and Mega Man was like November of that year. I, I might have my dates wrong, but they're basically they're being developed at the same time. Gotcha. It almost felt like at times, even like when you defeat a boss, uh, it almost played the, like the exact same music of like the congratulations, you beat a boss. Just this time you don't get to steal their weapons. Yeah, no, you just get to get an awesome treasure chest out of it. But this to me, you know, most, a lot of people like to talk about game length. 
This game is very short, whereas <laughs> yeah, whereas, yeah, kind of is. Where where? But it, we can. I'm going to talk about. Well, I'll get into that right now uh, after I talk about the mechanics. But whereas Mega Man had like a save system, and you could, you know, you could it was probably, a password system, yeah, password system, and and even if you were very good at it, you could probably get three hour three three to four hours out of it if you really pushed yourself you could if you were very good you could probably beat it in like two hours right right this game you can beat in an hour if you know how to play it uh once you've beaten it once you can get it through it in an hour hour and a half oh tops. easily yeah. easily even on the if you have save states probably 30 minutes yeah so if this game actually had the ability for a password system or save it, it probably wouldn't have gotten the love that I think it gets today uh, because everyone would have beaten it in, a, in an hour and then been like, hey, why did I spend 30 bucks on this game that I could beat in an hour, you know? That's an interesting theory. That's an interesting theory because I know um, like when I, first, when I was trying to get into it, actually, it it did take me a little while to at least get used to the controls. Like the uh, the kind of the mechanics are, they're a little bit different. And honestly, I have to say, like based on NES platformers, the core mechanics of this game are unlike a lot of things that I've played, despite kind of the, the Mega Man look to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't you don't have a forward facing weapon. No, you have you have a downward facing one. You have basically two moves. You unlike like uh, it has the thing where you have to bump jump jump on guys' heads, but you actually have to use your cane and be pushing down in order to you're pogoing on your cane. And you have right, to right. have it out and pushing down in order to stop to kill it. <laughs> which you can make it through probably most of the game, just so, bouncing around, just boing, boing. Yeah, boing. yeah. You kind of just hold down B and bounce through the whole level. And then the other move is you have a golf club swing, which you know there's like little lo- rocks scattered about, and you just take a golf. You got you know Scrooge McDuck, Uncle Scrooge, just takes a swing at it and you know knocks a treasure chest hanging, <laughs> knocks a treasure hanging chest hanging from the trees. <laughs> it's not even always hanging from the trees. Sometimes it's in the air. Yeah, uh, and and that's it. I mean, there's there's those two moves, and they get a pretty good amount of variety out of that, and a pretty good, a decent level of difficulty. I will say, uh, having I played the sequel, they okay. they expand the move set and they make it a lot. They they do a lot more. I would say the sequel's actually better than the first one, but because of when it came out, '93, Genesis and Super Nintendo were kind of on the cusp. It probably didn't get oh, the, sure get the play. What's uh, when you say expanding the expanding the mechanics? What what did they add to it? You can hang from hooks, a la Prince of Persia, uh, uh, with the cane, and you could also pull objects instead of just pushing them. Oh, you can, interesting! You, you hook your cane around it and pull something or push it, uh, which so it's becoming a predecessor to the Uncharted series, then. <laughs> right, right. Except you actually have to play it. You don't just watch it. Oh, I see. Oh, a little, a little Uncharted duck burn. burn. <laughs> yeah, little duck burns. <laughs> duck burns but yeah it's 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 also like mega man in that way where you choose which level you choose the level order (laughs) can we get into this for a second yeah yeah sure so as i said this was my first time playing this game i i knew there were ducks involved i my knowledge of ducktales is decidedly minimal i know that I know that the scrooge mcduck i know huey dewey and louie i can't i can't it's it's uncle scrooge it's always Uncle Scrooge. That's like a licensing thing with Nintendo. Or, oh, really? Or Disney. You always have to call him Uncle Scrooge. Yeah, it gets annoying in the text in the second one, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like, I know there's Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Just don't ask me to... Just don't ask me which one is which. Um, and honestly, like, that's it. It's like, I know that... I know that Uncle Scrooge was all about amassing huge amounts of wealth and then swimming in a giant vault. And so ultimately, like, 
I didn't know even what I was, what, what, what I'm trying to do. And now, like, there's no real plot. There's no well, story. Okay. Like, it's just, they're just asked. So there's two things here. The first one is that it doesn't really tell me what it is that I'm doing. Secondly, uh, I look at the stage select screen. Again, I don't remember much of the show, but when the things that it offers me are like Amazon, I think it was like Amazon jungle, Transylvania, then it was like, so like a mount, like a mountain scenery, and then the moon. Uh huh. The moon. Sure. Uh, well, okay. I, I think. Okay, I'm gonna the moon. I'm not sure if they ever went to the moon on the show. I can't recall that. But they do go to the moon in the intro credits of the TV show. In fact, it's kind of the last. I, I'm 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 flashing back to childhood here. But there is a shot of Scrooge wearing a full spacesuit. And he's on the moon for some reason. Man, this is a mega deep cut here. Yeah, like it's in the intro credits of the TV show. Look, this is a deep duck cut. (laughs) I loved the show as a kid. In fact, I was bummed because how the Disney afternoon worked in my neighborhood. It was like uh, three to five. It was on from three to five every day, and and school got out at three. So I only I usually didn't get home till like three thirty. So for a long time DuckTales was slotted at three thirty time slot. But as you know, Disney afternoon got more and more popular, the older shows got slotted to three, the newer shows got slotted to four and four thirty. So I when I when this thing when I started missing it on a regular basis, I was like so sad. Like I would actually try to like figure out ways to like convince my mom to pick me up early so I could get home on time to watch it when I was when I was a kid. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. This, it's, <laughs> so why well, just ask him to DVR it? I, it was the eighties, Jim. We did I you know We I, called it VHS. We did have VHS, but I had a crappy VH VC. I, I couldn't program it. <laughs> I, I think I think later I did start programming it and uh but I've seen I saw like all the movies. I saw I I was incredibly sad when this went off the air. In fact, I think the only reason I watched like the later iteration of whatever Darkwing Duck, which was basically just expanding the Duckiverse. <laughs> right, right, of course. Uh, you need to have duck heroes and duck villains in Duck Gotham. Yes, yeah. Like, I watched that show even though it wasn't as good just because it was in the same universe. Like, that's how that's how much I like this game. And I think a lot of people felt that way. It's why there's such a nostalgia about it. Mm. Sure. Uh, that's the, that, that's where, that's where my knowledge comes. Is like, there was that, is the Darkwing Duck and Gargoyles line. Yeah. So, uh, but getting back into some of the characters there, there was, it, it, the show as it was basically the most lighthearted version of Indiana Jones that you can think of every episode. Okay. It was okay. basically like, here's, here's some treasure that I just found. Here's some treasure Scrooge McDuck just found out about. He wants to go find it. Sometimes that treasure is in Duckburg itself. That was one that was one of the major story like episode types. There's basically three episode types, which was Go Find a Treasure was one. Another one was like the Beagle Boys want to steal something from Scrooge. And the third one is uh Flintheart Glomgold, which is uh, another villain on the show, wants to one up Scrooge McDuck in some way. Was he in the Was he in the game at all? He was. He was the Scottish gentleman in the last level when you beat it. When you're doing that cl- race to the top, 
Oh, okay. So Thanks. in other words, this game is actually a, it's a combination of all three of these episode types. Yeah, basically, yeah. So even though the Beagle Boys, like, they just show up once and they kidnap one of the one of the the nephews. I don't remember which one because again, they're all they're all you know, the same. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have no they have no distinctive characteristics. Those the color, the color is very different. The color of their hats. <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, you, I sometimes would be like, I wish they made these three different in, like, one trait. But no, just we'll have them be... You know, maybe give them different voice actors. Yeah. No, not well, going to do that. No, no. So, in terms of the game, it makes... All these levels make sense in the Find the Treasure storyline that was prevalent on the show, or on many episodes of the show. Okay, okay. And that also kind of makes sense in that it didn't really explain what it was that you were doing. Given that if you had a, a, any sort of background with DuckTales, you kind of just knew, like, oh, you're Uncle Scrooge. You need, you're just, all you're doing is just going out and trying to be, like, trying to get, obtain more wealth. Yeah, basically, that's his, that's his goal in life, is to, he has two, he has the goal of filling his vault endlessly, and then he has the goal of saving his lucky dime, and they, which they never talk about, which is, that's a whole other thing that they never talk about in these games. Does this sound like, is this just a really bleak character? Actually, I mean, I know his name is Scrooge. I mean, so, like, that, that already has, like, the, the you know, like, Christmas Carol approach to it. But, like, is it strange of just how lighthearted that this game is for a guy, like, for some, like, egomaniacal duck who's just trying to, like, become a billionaire? It's, it's, a, it's about capitalism, Chip. <laughs> you know how we all make our money, you know? Go to your job every day. You try to find the hidden gem of, of Cairo, you know? Like the per- you know, like that's how we all live. It's capitalism. Yeah, fight off the Scorpion King. Capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> Sorry, if I say that loud enough, maybe that'll maybe that'll make yeah. it true. You'll incite the invisible hand of Adam Smith. Yeah, it's yeah. He's not. That was the thing I always found interesting about. Uh, and I, I, we got to get back into the game eventually here. But from the character, how it started, he did kind of start as like an antithesis to Donald, and then with this show with. DuckTales became like a nice guy and benevolent and kind of like the benevolent rich guy, you know, whereas oh, before okay, okay. he was the jerky, yeah, Scrooge, sure. basically Scrooge. So in this case, like, this is like post-Christmas Carol, where like, he's learned his lesson that he needs to be a kind and generous person, but man, he's still going to be out there trying to get, like, obtain uh, billions of dollars and making sure no one else sees any of it. Right, exactly. Yeah, ex- exactly. So, uh, so yeah, so that that's the structure. I mean, some of the villains in this game, I think, were created for the game. I never like the the one witch who turns into a crow. I can't. I thought no, I thought she was. See, this is actually one of the the little bit of research that I had done. I thought I thought she is a common. She's she a common is. Enemy. She. That's what I'm saying. She's common to the show, but like the abominable snowman. You know, he might have been on the show, but there's... Right, it's just, just generic snow enemy. Yeah, basically. It's like, we need a, we need an enemy to fit the, the, the Himalayas level. Sure. We need a giant mouse on the moon because you're trying to get moon she's. Right. Right. And then, I mean, that's, the, that's it. That's the story. I mean, there's, there's, there's no... There's nothing really tying it all together. They try to tie it all together at the end with dracula duck but that doesn't make it doesn't make any sense he's just like oh i stole all your stuff now come get it oh yeah right it's just like oh yeah by the way yeah remember all that stuff you just collected yeah it's gone now so come back to this level that you've already been to before and then just fight this other boss like there's a lot of interesting things going on even because again you're, you're trying to accrue money 
it comes about it in a very kind of unusual way. I mean, in that you know, a lot of the money that you just accrue is, you know, A, is from treasure chests just hovering in, in space, but then also is just random things that you just find. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, there is just, there are, like, little just triggers throughout the level that just, if you're just pogoing around and kind of get to somewhere that was a little weird, occasionally like, random treasure will spawn or something like that. It's, it's... Yeah, it's not random. They are there. You just have to kind of float above the space that they occupy, and then they fall from that. So they're just, they're hidden. They're just, they don't, maybe they didn't, maybe it was too much programming to put treasure chests everywhere, but they're just like, they're just hidden, and you'll float by. It would be visually exhausting. (laughs) Right. Yeah, so you just float by a space, and then a piece of jewel falls out of the sky. This game actually has quite a bit of secrets going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that not only does it have like this, you know, like these these hidden treasures throughout, at least just ones that are invisible to the eye, but as long as you go over it, you trigger them. Hooray, fifty thousand dollars, which man, I certainly would approve of in my life. Just <laughs> reach up and like, oh hey, I got a, I got a bunch of Benjis. Also, just just in general, like, I felt like there were, I I just stumbled into a number of different secret things where there was one level. I think it may have been the very fir- the first level in the jungle. There is there's a section early on where you can. Uh, do like the the Mario like the Mario dun- like warp dungeon where you have to like run along the very 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 top of the screen right that right. you can get to by you know by pogoing up there and like oh there's secret stuff up here that's really cool and then like later on when I kind of stumbled into there being the super hidden treasure like a mm. hidden gem that was worth untold's amount of money actually it was like maybe a million dollars yeah I, I assume there's one of those in every level there's there's something like that in every level so there is either a hidden treasure that gives you a million and it's you know it's 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 kind of a special treasure in the way the final treasure of every level is special it's just sort of its own unique thing okay it's just kind of this glow I think it's just kind of like this big glowy shiny it's, thing yeah it's like a ring or it's something interesting and then the other secret is uh, power-ups which give you more energy. Right, right, right. The little stamina increasers or... Yeah, and there's it's usually one or the other. And I think there's like two hidden... Tre- it's three three of these special hidden treasures and two of these power-up, uh, uh, health health bar power-ups. And now it's kind of interesting because in order to find a lot of that stuff, it is as you kind of said before, there was a little bit of variety at least in... There was variety at least in the way that the moves were used, even though there ultimately were only two moves. Mm-hmm. Because and you could just... You could start just golf club and a lot of different stuff and different things would happen. First of all... If it wouldn't happen, then it kind of gave you this silly little, like, you know, his eye, like, Scro- Uncle Scrooge's eyes are kind of rolling around and he looks kind of shocked. Mm-hmm. But, like, if you, like, there's, like, the Transylvania level where there are, like, suits of armor. And I'm like, oh, let's just see what happens if I whack one of these with my golf club. Like, oh, its head fell off and came out. I'm like, oh, that's no good. Or I hit this one and his head turned into a treasure chest. And inside, there was a cake. That's funny, a cake. Delicious. <laughs> We're back to cake, Jim. We love cake. Armored cake. <laughs> yeah, or in the coal mine level... If you hit the little gray things of uh, coal, a diamond pops out. Or in the Amazon, there's little tree stumps. If you hit a tree stump, a diamond pops out. Oh, that one I didn't know. Yeah, so like, there's a lot of cool. Yeah, if you explore the you game whack a, the... you whack a tombstone sometimes diamonds sometimes ghosts. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that cool stuff where you if you explore and like yeah use the use the abilities on just random stuff. You know, random. Uh, it generates sort of an interesting result. Uh, or example, like uh, you can usually they have the pogo thing help you kind of bypass most of a level if you want to. Like in the coal level, you can go through that giant chasm, and those guys pop out of the wall, out of the. Oh yeah, yeah. And, That's and, how you get one of the hidden treasures. Yeah, right? and it basically just skips the entire level. You know. 
Yeah, or I mean, even in the uh, the very first in the very first level, if there's uh, there's like an idol that says like, oh, if here's you need to do some kind of pogoing tricks to get to the next room, or you can just pay me three hundred thousand dollars and I'll just let you pass. Mm-hmm. But granted, I didn't think it was actually that difficult to do. So, but again, I guess it was you know when you're maybe six years old and it's 1989 well maybe it's a different thing but yeah yeah but (laughs) you you learn how to get conned by weird (laughs) idols yeah what does he need thirty thousand for what's his deal it gave enough variety and i I will say that uh and this gets into the the challenge portion of it it did make it a challenge like you if you were good at not using the pogo at certain spots or like whenever there's they they sometimes had those sections where there was spikes on the ground and you can pogo on spikes and spikes above. Right, which would of, hurt you if you pogoed into them, right? Yeah, so you had to do like a small, you had to like kind of like, you couldn't just hold down the B button and just jump across. You had to kind of right. like float for a second. Tiny then, pogo hops. Yeah, yeah, do tiny pogo hops. Sorry, sorry. Duck tiny pogo hops. But yeah, it, it, it gave enough variety. The second one gives even more variety, and I would say more of a challenge, especially because both of them have like branching paths and. The second one, you can get upgrades. So whereas you were confused by Launchpad and maybe Gizmo Duck, yeah, probably... I'm like these guys are just showing up, and one of them's just like, "Oh no, your nephew's been kidnapped," or like, "Here is this uh, a niece, I guess." I don't. I, I felt almost felt like when I was walking through this, like, again, not remembering much of a background in Ducktales, that it was like an early predecessor to Donkey Kong Country, where I'm just going along, I'm like, "Oh look, here's Funky Kong, and he's willing to take me take me someplace else." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what they all do. I mean, Mrs. Beasley just bakes you cakes all the time you, uh, and gives you cupcakes. Oh, is that what her deal was? There was someone yeah. who was just like, hey, look, here I am, and then starts throwing cakes everywhere, except, like, <laughs> a cake's almost a full heel, so I didn't know why they were throwing, like, a hundred of them at me. Yeah. Uh, and then... But I guess, which I guess, you know, going back to our discussion on the licensed games, keeps it, again, very consistent. Yeah. Like, oh, well, this is the character, this is what they're known for. It's going to be excessive, but darn it, we're going to do it. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have the butler, which bummed me out, but hey, you know what? I can't have it all. I can't have it duck all. Uh, (laughs) You got your duck witch, and you had your duck vampire. Is it Draculuck, or is it Duckula? I think it's Duckula. I forget, or maybe it's Draculuckula, but he is not even a character on the show i mean he might have i do not remember that character on the show at all or if 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 it was it was like one episode so it's not a even a major character which i thought i found kind of random but for that one it was so that fight that last boss fight so interesting because all the other boss fights are super simple they're just like dodge a do, you know dodge once and then jump on the person's head right, pogo on the head right and then repeat ad nauseum there's no variety in the in there's no real variety in the attacks mm-hmm. and and that one's similar but like it's hard because you have to you really have to have great timing you have to kind of not be pogoing around then you have to jump off this bat and then hit after jumping off this bat hit hit duckula before he phases out, because if he phases out and you pass through him, you get you take damage. So it's like mm-hmm. this. It's this really like timing, really like heavily a, a fight that's heavily about timing. Whereas the other ones are just you can kind of just jump around and be fine. I mean, a little know? bit. I think honestly, I think I had a little bit more trouble with the witch because like the witch had like projectiles that they shot in many directions. Mm-hmm. Where in this case, like I guess because uh, throughout some of the at least some of the the more kind of hidden parts of the game. Where it it required you to to do these uh, pogo duck combos, 
and that's ultimately kind of what it was going for there. And, and, and let's be honest, like at that point in the game, like if you've gotten your, if you've gotten a couple of life upgrades, you've been taking a lot of damage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not on diff, not on the highest difficulty, but yeah, you can, oh, you okay. can, you can, cause it's, it's, uh, normal is like anytime you get hit, it's one, one health, you get four, five health parts eventually, but it's one health circle. Easy, it's like half a health circle, and on difficult, it takes two for every time you get hit. Mm-hmm. So, like, you take two hits, and you're pretty much done on difficult. Do you remember? Do you remember many other games from this time period having having uh, a selection in difficulty? I feel like the original Mega Man had that. If I'm, I could because be I wrong. believe. I, well, I mean, like, I know early, like, some of the, like, I think it was like Mega Man three. I don't, I, feel free to send emails to me about this or yell at me on Twitter about this. But like, you know, eventually when, um, there was the, so when they gave you difficulty selections because it's like what was the hard mode was what normal was in the Japanese release and they didn't have a, a, a difficulty selection that just, they made the game easier for an American audience. Yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm scanning my brain, but I can't really think of. I can't really think of it, although that's... Yeah, it was a surprise. I thought it was a surprise that it was offering me that, like, yeah. right off the bat. Like, oh, that's, and they that's kept, actually really handy. Yeah, and they kept that for the sequel, too. It was the same, same thing, or easy, right. normal, difficult. Uh, Which at least lets them kind of understand, like, it, it, it certainly gives, shows a sign of awareness, at least with the, like, with their audience, and that because you are, because in this case, Capcom was making a game based on... You know, it's a children's cartoon that they can be like a pretty widespread range in in the honestly the skill level. You know, early on when someone's like, if, if you're playing, a, if you're making a game that's you want, you know, a five year old maybe like a five year old fan of the show to play versus like someone who's I don't know someone who is now 27 and is doing a podcast 20 years later. <laughs> I think to be honest, I think the difficulty setting probably had more to do with replay. Than anything, because like we said, oh, possibly, yeah. Th- uh, they did two things, in, in my opinion, to to sort of extend the game length. Because if you put it on easy, and if you're a capable platformer player, you can beat this thing in an hour, hour and a half. Uh, you know, uh, but first they took away continues. So basically, if you lose all your guys, you have to start all over. So that's oh. one way to kind of extend the game length. And then the second is was this easy, normal, difficult? Is because you you know if you're a kid, you probably start on easy. And then you beat it quickly. If you're playing through it for a podcast, <laughs> yeah, or if you play, yeah, or if you're an adult playing it for the first time. Not, this not is name, what we learned from not, this is what we learned from our beautiful Joe episode. Not naming names. Yeah, I played that on easy. Uh, yeah, it, 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 my my opinion, I think specifically this one. I mean, they they have they extend games today by adding a hard, medium, and difficult, or, or easy, medium, and difficult kind of settings, but and multiplayer and multiplayer. But these today's games are you know. Seven to ten hours minimum length. This game minimum length, and I'm sure the developers knew it at the time. Hey, we can someone can beat this in an hour if they're if they're even somewhat capable. We need to figure <laughs> we need to figure out a way to extend this or make it. Like, more I mean, you said kind of like Mega Man's a little bit lengthier, but I mean, let's be honest. There's there's a, a lot of games from that time period where you know again, if you really know what you're doing, maybe not even like a professional speed runner, but like you know, let's look at like the original, like a lot of Kirby games you can blow through. Within an hour, maybe even less. Kirby One was like twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah, no, and agree. But this is, after, you know, they're, they, you got to understand. I'm trying to get into their mindset. They have, they have developed Mega Man and Mega Man, or are developing Mega Man Two, and they're probably thinking to themselves, "Wow, this is like six, seven hours, and we're charging thirty bucks 
are we going to get complaints charging 30 bucks for a game that's an hour in length? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, or maybe it was just a personal thing. Like we have to figure out a way to challenge, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of, you know, there's a little bit of consideration when you're developing like, Hey, I don't, we don't want someone to just burn through this. We want them to come back to it. So you add these difficulty settings or you, you know, take away continues. Add in all of these, like add in a number of like secret treasures in there as well. Yeah. To, in order to kind of, Give it. I mean, I think it's telling that most of those hidden treasures were off screen, like way off. Like you have to go above some certain level. Like that would be super easy to design to just put a pillar right. pillar near the, a wall edge and then just have it be this bonus section off to the side. Whereas if you put a secret like that somewhere in the middle of a level, it's a little harder to to design around. Yeah. Well, see, and that's that's I think that's interesting in a way because that's certainly you know again this is the era of where the only where people only got their information about like a specific video game through either talking to friends or Nintendo Power. And so in that case like even just the scoring system in it was such it, it was so integral to the theme of the game. Like typically if you're playing something like you know let's go to like older platformers that still have score ba- like scores on them like you know the original Mario or like the old Ninja Gaiden games. Yeah, they have scores on them, but let's be honest like how many of us really care about that? No, yeah. Where in this case, like, your score is directly tied into the theme of what Uncle Scrooge is going for here. So when he's aiming for his duck bucks, like, that's... And, and like, at the end of each level, it's like, this is how many duck bucks you've accrued. And, like, the very end, it's like, congratulations, you've... You're now the richest duck in all of Duckburg, or or whatever it is. You've accrued this many duck bucks. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's constantly hitting you with your score. And so when you've got something like Nintendo Power, like which used to publish a lot of like challenges and the like, or like oh, send in your high score for this, or send in, or like hey, did you know there's these all these crazy secrets about hitting stumps with your with your golf club and the like? Is that it also like, just in general, it really it really aids itself more to that that sort of environment rather than what we have now with just, having game FAQs up all the time. It's, it's duck capitalism. That's <laughs> right. In an age, in an age with restriction duck, it's, with restricted duck information. It's the invisible hand of the duck market. I think that's kind of it, right? <laughs> that's kind of the whole game in a nutshell, right, Jim? Well, so I, I, I took a number of screenshots when I was playing this of just kind of strange moments. And the very, very end of this game it was very weird. It's like, oh, congratulations, you got all your treasure back from this guy that inadvertently stole everything from you when you weren't looking. And then it just presents you like, oh, this is how much money you've you this is how much money you've accrued on your your duck wealth capital like it's basically like a wealth calculation machine. I don't even it's just like dollar signs all over it and it just it's like the supercomputer at the bottom of like his duck mansion. Right. That thing might have even been in the show too, if I'm not mistaken. It's it it was used it was like a Batman thing though where he used it more to analyze treasures kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why does he have this weird, essentially the most expensive calculator on the planet? Well, I guess if he's trying to fill a vault, you need that sort of thing. But so I'm looking at like the the ending screens, and I, again, as someone who wasn't really aware of the characters or who any of them were. And it's like, there's the three, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie say, hooray, Uncle Scrooge, we're glad you find the treasures, but don't forget we helped too. Like, wait, did they? Did they help me? Did they help me at all? Like, one of them got kidnapped. I mean, they're, they're, your teammates are worthless other than Launchpad. Okay, okay, let me say something about Launchpad very briefly. My first time I met freaking Launchpad McDuck or whatever his name was. McQuack, he was, yeah. He had this helicopter, right? And he was trying to help me across from one ledge to another. 
The guy just drove me into a bumblebee that knocked me to my death. Yeah, he's that. I, that's like the worst part. I hate. I I didn't like that either. How that's set up because that is that is the most cumbersome platforming part. Is you have to kind of hang there or sit on the stool or whatever, and then jump off, but miss the bumblebee. So sometimes you have to time it to fall under it or jump over it. It's just he's worthless. Like just fly, how come we can't fly in a straight line? I mean, I know he crashes a lot. I mean. Oh, is that also a thing? That's his thing. Yeah, he crashes on the show all the time. Like every plane he flies, he like crashes. Oh, ter- and it's terrific. like yeah, it's like a it's like a joke when he lands normally. That's kind of that's that's <laughs> that's this is this show is like incredibly dark to me. Where the main <laughs> character who's just obsessed like with his greed, a guy who's a, per- a pilot who's perpetually in, in Captain Sully Sullenberg mode. He's, he's flying children around. Let's just be honest. He's flying little you know Huey, Dewey, and Louie around. So, I would say, like, when he's, like, trying to fly me into bumblebees, I was wondering, is, like, is he is he in my will? Is that what's going on here? I think so. I think so, Jim. Yeah, but then so we have, like, this, you know, hooray, Uncle Scrooge, we've glad you found the treasures, but don't forget we helped, too. Right, lads, I couldn't have done it without you. I really am the richest duck in the world. And, oh, my God, what <laughs> is this? <laughs> it's, you know, it's... It's an 80s TV show. (laughs) That's what it is. We'll be right back on One More Turn. We'll be duck back on One More Turn. Welcome back to One More Turn. If you listen to this episode backwards, you can hear us review Darkwing Duck. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. All right, Kevin. So now that we've been talking about DuckTales, let me ask you, what have you been adding to your gaming vault? Well, this is this is going to be a little different kind of uh, recommendation in that normally I would recommend something I've played a lot of, uh, but this is a game that Honestly, I haven't I haven't played a lot of. I played it off of a friend's Android. I, I got a great sense of it and made me almost want to buy <laughs> a, a, an Android OS phone just to play this type of game. It's a Whoa. Aug- augmented reality game, and it's called Ingress. Okay. What what is Ingress? Ingress, like I said, is augmented reality. So it takes the real world. It takes it takes landmarks from the real world mm-hmm. and essentially makes them. Uh, you know, I hate to boil it down to so sim- simply, but makes it like a tower defense kind of game. And what it is is so you're in San Francisco, or let's say, actually, let's say New York. And okay, that's closer to me, and, and it's more relevant. <laughs> yeah, and you have your your Android phone on you, and you're walking around, and all of a sudden you get a, a notification, and it's like, hey, you're near, you're near, you know. Uh, uh, you're near the tunnel bridge or what, you know, you're near the Manhattan bridge. The Manhattan bridge is a, is being held by the red team and you are on the green team. Do you want to take it over as the green team? And what it is, is you just have like uh, points that is essentially ammunition. Like think of it like Pinkman, where if you have a lot of Pinkman, you can kind of take over, you can kind of attack a boss and kill, kill the boss off. I still think you're doing a break the Breaking Bad thing again with Pikmin. <laughs> Pikmin, I'm so sorry. Pikmin. I love that show. Pikmin. And and you try to take it over as the the you know, I'm gonna say the green team, but there's a there's an actual uh name for all these things. So there's 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 
there's a whole, it's augmented reality. So it takes real world things that you have to be near when you're walking around in life. And you kind of play with those things. It's like you try to own them and take them over. And there's two sides. There's the enlightened side and the shaper side. And the idea is that these major landmarks are portals to another dimension and that aliens are going to eventually come through these portals. And whether you are on the enlightened side or the shaper side, which are the aliens, if you want to call them that, sort of says on, uh, it depends on whether the aliens will eventually be able to get through these major landmarks. Okay. So, so it's, it's like a four, it's like four square battles. Yeah, I guess that's a way to describe it. It's, but it's only, you could, you have to play it live. So you always kind of have to be ready to play play it okay. on your Android. And okay, so what's what's the actual gameplay? Like like I said, I didn't play a ton of this game, but I really liked okay. it when I played it. So my, my, my memory might be a little fuzzy. Uh, but you get sort of like, you kind of build experience and you build, you build up your, what is essentially ammunition and you get kind of better type of ammunition. Although it's it's called something else, I forget exactly what it's called. I think they call it exotic matter or or something like that in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds uh, ridiculous, or, yeah, utterly yeah. ridiculous. Or you get like portal keys, or you get you get all these kind of like different tools, and each one has their different sets. And you just attack. You just sort of like you know you attack a, a portal, and you just sort of barrage it with whatever you know quote unquote ammunition you have until you. Can get it, but here's the thing. Here's the key about it: is you're not always doing it by yourself. So if other people in the area, and I think it's 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 more po- this thing's more popular in like Europe, from what I understand. So they do everything in meters. <laughs> um, I mean, they're more used to wars over there. Yeah. Uh, so if other people are around and they also have Ingress on their phone, they can help you take it over if they're on your side, or if they're on the opposite team, if they're if they're a shaper, or if they're whatever, they can battle you back and fight you off. So what it's supposed to do, it's supposed to be like this social game in that you will, you, if you, if you have your phone out and you're playing it and you look around and you can kind of see people doing the same thing, you can kind of walk up to them and interact with them and figure out if they're on your side or not. <laughs> so it's this, it's this, it's like I said, it's this game that kind of, it's a weird kind of social aspect to it like a real world if they're not you can just slam their phone on the ground yeah exactly aha i am the real shaper (laughs) yeah and who's enlightened now bitch (laughs) yeah i was like i've been waiting for this thing to come out to the uh mac os uh to to ios for ever ever for months now since i played my friend's version and it's like, I keep reading, like, oh, they're going to have the Mac version. Or, oh, they're going to integrate Mac version. But because I think it's a game that runs kind of integrated with uh, Google, with, like, Gmail, and you have, you have to actually have a Gmail account to play it, uh, I think they're having some Google and Apple are not allies <laughs> anyway. And I'm sure a lot of their software and programming and architecture is different. So I'm sure there's some, okay. some issues getting it to actually port over to, to huh. the iOS systems. I don't know. I played it first for a little bit. It was, it was fun. I, I, it did exactly what you're, you're hoping it does, which is like gets you to kind of be more social, more interactive with people in the real world rather than just competing with strangers over <laughs> silly things. Yeah, like just... it, it, it drops some of that uh, uh, anonymity that comes with online play. 
you know, and, right. and forces you to kind of realize that they're real people out there. And instills in this John Carpenter's they live situation where you know someone's involved, but you don't know if they're an alien or not. Right. You Unless you hold your phone there. up to your eyes as sunglasses. Yeah. So I don't want to, I, I didn't play too much more and I don't want to get too, there's a whole universe, like they're writing like whole backstory novels and they're slowly, they kind of slowly, the creators slowly release uh a backstory to why they're coming through these portals and why there's such thing as exotic matter. But I, I get a sense that a lot of that will come out when they maybe get it on iOS and have a hu- a larger audience in the States for it. It's like a phone friend pass. Yeah, exactly. But it's a competitive friend pass. <laughs> right. Enemy pass. <laughs> Nemesis pass. So yeah, so look it up. It's Ingress by Neon Tick Labs. What do you got going on this week, Jim? What's what's your what are you playing? What's your recommendation? I'm currently in the middle of uh, I just I got back from a vacation last week, and when I got back, I saw an email that the I guess the LA Game Space came out with their with their pack of games, um, which that was a it was a big it was a big Kickstarter endeavor endeavor uh, to to basically create uh, a building that was a workspace for independent game developers and they released well at the time like they said that you know on Kickstarter that they were they had a number of names of here are the people involved i believe the guy the developer from Katamari Damacy i believe was on that list nice and they just released their pack in the last week so i've been i honestly just got started going through some of those games so i don't have i don't have an, i don't have enough knowledge yet to give a full recommendation there i played like one game called Alphabet in which you're erasing letters across uh, an environment in order you have to like hold down letters on your keyboard in order to get them to move and jump and the like. It's like a typing of the dead situation. Well, in this case though, you had, you're controlling like up to 20 letters and you had to hit that letter on your keyboard to move that one letter. Wow. That's going to make you. It gets kind of bad towards the end. I will, uh, hopefully I'll be able to, to give a, like I'll hope to get more recommendations on that in the future once I kind of want to have a bit more time to sit down with it. So in this case, I'm going to reach back into my vault uh, for a game. So in this case, I am recommending the, a Flash game uh, originally found on Newgrounds called Depict One. What is Depict One? Depict One is a platformer that plays on the uh, that plays on the trope of the unreliable narrator. I I am always very fascinated with with alternative with alternative means of storytelling. I think I've I've mentioned kind of offhand before. I'll say it again. I am absolutely in love with the Stanley Parable, mm-hmm. and this is this this kind of goes a little bit uh, is this kind of a similar uh, a similar concept here in which it is a kind of a, a basic kind of flash platformer in this kind of dark futuristic setting, maybe like a. You know, kind of a future, like you're, you're maybe like trapped in a lab, kind of a port, maybe like a, like a portal sort of situation, but again, it's a 2D platformer, mm-hmm. and you're being told, you're being told what to do. Except the very first screen, it says, use the arrow keys, like the, there's a narrative that says like, oh, use the arrow keys to move. And the arrow keys don't do anything. You have <laughs> to use, du- you have to use WASD to move. Huh, I like that. Or, and then you have to, like, if you move to this beam of light, it takes you to the next level. Then, then, then it'll say for the next level, like that beam of light will just reset the map. You must find an alternative way. If you just go into the beam of light, it takes you to the next level. Then, like the next level, the next level will ex- will try to explain some of the game mechanics to you. It'll say like press spacebar to jump, and you have to ju- and you have to jump to get to the beam of light. 
you hit the space bar and it blows you up. So it doesn't. Oh, it's, so it's basically playing with the tutor, tutorial that is pre- prevalent in every game, and making, yeah, being the un, uh, an unreliable t- tutor. So in this yeah. case, it's interesting because that's only that's only teaching you the game. Then it actually, then it starts to uh, get into the actual environment that you're in, where there are monsters and like there are monsters that it, that this voice is like ordering you to kill. Or just like kind of describing just in general, like what the world that you are in is like based on the knowledge that you'd had previously. They're like, oh, you know, this voice, like this voice is not telling you the truth, except when it then starts to trickle, when it starts saying occasionally truthful things Hmm. to really kind of throw you off. So that you start getting confused on what's real and what's not, or what's true and what's untrue. Correct. Correct. And that ultimately. And it's and it's a very kind of clever a clever way of doing this kind of uh, flash platformer. Now, what was you had recommended one a couple episodes ago that at least was similar mechanically, where it's you know here's your level, here's the name. You kind of have to use that name a little bit to to solve the puzzle. Button X twenty, I think. X- yeah, some something like that. Yeah, twenty and, X twenty something. Right? And so, yeah. this is this is similar in that you know, there is a name on the there is a name attached to the puzzle that's kind of. They're not even all puzzles. It's just maybe just get from point A to point B. It's at least it's it's a very interesting way of telling the story that's involved, and it gets a, it gets a little weird. So it does. Is it so? There is a story, ultimately. Yes. And okay, and it's it's is it sort of like the old what's the the in a way it reminds me of that old classic Bugs Bunny cartoon where he's arguing with the artist drawing his drawing him oh yeah or i think yeah with it was uh, that was a daffy, daffy duck daffy duck right yeah, that yeah. was the the old classic with like the flower head and the screwball flag off of his tail yeah yeah it's almost this this as that was this kind of meta not only meta but sort of this uh yeah meta piece on cartoon yeah. design or, or animation this is kind of right this meta piece well so on it's not as i said it's it's not quite the stanley parable yeah um but instead it kind of fits in more with the story that the game is kind of telling where it is this it's this conflict that is going on where you don't necessarily know if it's the conflict is between you and this again like this glados kind of voice coming at you or if it's kind of more of an internal conflict as well yeah, and while the game itself mechanically is very simple, I think it's 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 done in such a very clever way that that I I certainly recommend it. And even I'm as I'm like staring at the screen here, I kind of want to go back and play through it in like the twenty or thirty minutes that it takes to play through it. Yeah, it's very clever. It's very well done. I re- I really recommend to pick one. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I you know I love little I love free flash games that are platformers. <laughs> I know that's very specific. So for this week, it's Jim is recommending Depict One, and I, I, Kevin, am recommending Ingress. Thank you for listening. One More Turn is produced, created, and hosted by Kevin King and Jim Staholsky. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email us at onemoreturnpodcast at gmail.com. Or check out our Facebook page and leave a comment at facebook.com slash one more turn. Music, uh, IED is courtesy of Pixel 8, Pixel Hate, off his album And the Revolution. You can find more of his music at pixelh8.co.uk. Blue Paint is courtesy of Breakbeat Heartbeat and the Waveform Generators, off Breakbeat's album 2206. 
You can find more breakbeat music at soundcloud.com slash breakbeat heartbeat. Kevin, Kevin, what's next week? Dungeon Keeper. Dungeon Keeper.